Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, October 20th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's how we're making you smarter today. A presidential election in Bolivia is a win for democracy. Plus, the environmental movement goes intergalactic. First, though, how cities are preparing for Election Day chaos is today's one big thing. American cities are preparing for lots of uncertainty around this upcoming election, which will happen exactly 14 days from today. Many elected officials are reassuring voters that it is safe to vote, whether by mail or in person. But at the same time, they're preparing for scenarios like lawsuits or voter intimidation. And of course, there's the pandemic. Jennifer Kingston writes the Axios Cities newsletter. Jennifer, what kind of things are you hearing from different mayors or district attorneys about how they're preparing to keep people safe while they vote? I spoke to Raul Torres, who is the district attorney for Bernalillo County, which covers Albuquerque and outside areas. He talked to me about how he is assembling a war room, as he described it, of senior prosecutors who'll be available on November 3rd for any outreach questions from the field. If a junior police officer doesn't know how to handle a situation that he sees, they can speed dial a district attorney who will walk them through what the best guidance is. This can be an enormous resource for people. Jennifer, what do we know about how safe things are going to be two weeks from now? We know that organizations like the Western States Center, which monitors activity or communications among alt-right groups, is hearing increased chatter. We know that some things that President Trump has said have been interpreted as dog whistles to groups that are considered potentially paramilitary groups. If you think that voters are perhaps being bombarded on social media or seeing other media reports of thinking it's not safe to vote, what what's a responsible way for people to think about this? Mayor Jim Kenney of Philadelphia, for example, told me that people should know that if they voted in the past, it's going to be the exact same thing this year, and that the possibility of those worst-case scenarios is very unlikely. Many of the people I quote in my story including the woman from the Western States Center who does this for a living, monitoring extremist threats to elections and other situations. She says, I have no qualms about going out to vote. That's a powerful statement. If you if you spend all day listening to this kind of stuff and planning for the worse to say very firmly and confidently, I'm going to go vote. I don't think anything's going to happen. That can give people a jolt of confidence. It did for me. Jennifer Kingston writes the Axios Cities newsletter. In other elections news, the Supreme Court denied a request yesterday from Pennsylvania's Republican Party that would have shortened the deadline for mail-in ballots. Because of the court's 4-4 deadlock, ballots can be counted for several days after the election. We'll be back in 15 seconds with a win for democracy in Bolivia. Welcome back to Axios Today. We have the outcome of one presidential election to share with you. It's actually in Bolivia. It's been a year since the contested election that led then-President Evo Morales to flee the country. Now his ally, the leftist Luis Arce, won an overwhelming and clear victory in Bolivia on Sunday. Axios World Editor Dave Lawler has been reporting this out. 
Dave, I think we probably need a quick history lesson here about what's been going on in Bolivia over the past year. Sure. So it's been basically a year-long political crisis in Bolivia kicked off by the previous elections in which Evo Morales was declared the winner in the first round, but after the fact was accused of fraud, irregularities, and actually Morales ended up fleeing the country under pressure from the military. Subsequently, there have been all sorts of questions about whether there actually were irregularities in the vote count the last time around. Morales's supporters say it was basically a coup. His opponents accuse him of basically being an authoritarian and wanting to cling to power. So it's a very messy situation. But finally, we did get this election and we did get a clear result this time around. So is it fair to say that this was kind of like a do-over election? It was a do-over without the key player, right? Evo Morales is sort of a political giant in Bolivia. He was in power since 2006, and Arce was his economy minister for 12 years. So he's stepping in as kind of the heir apparent, although they're very different in their political styles. And although Evo Morales was a socialist, the economy grew considerably under his tenure. Some of that is due to to Arce. So he is viewed as sort of a pragmatist and a technocrat. He's an economist. So part of the question is, are we going to get a continuation of the Morales tenure or is Arce going to sort of go off in his own direction and maybe a more understated style of leadership? Davis, we've been talking about the coronavirus and the pandemic and how much that has weakened democracy This is actually an opposite outcome. These elections are considered a win for democracy, right? Certainly a win for democracy in that we had a clear result and we had the losers of the election right away concede defeat. The will of the people seems to have been quite clear. And we do have a democratically elected government coming into power in Bolivia. Dave Lawler is Axios' world editor. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Nyla. Do you remember that scene from WALL-E where the camera pans through all this space junk that's orbiting around Earth? Well, European space agencies and some aerospace engineers are trying to prevent that from happening in real life. Axios' space reporter Miriam Kramer has been looking at all of this. A lot of experts are saying, like, space needs to be considered its own ecosystem. The way that we consider forests and oceans ecosystems on Earth, that needs to be how we think about space, too. Experts have some trouble actually tracking what's already in orbit, but they're starting to find new ways of being more accurate with that tracking. And once they are, it's going to be easier to sort of name and shame the biggest polluters in space. There's really no one who regulates this, right? That's the main problem here. There's the space treaty that was established by the UN years and years ago, but that just doesn't sort of account for our modern world where we have these companies that are launching hundreds of satellites into space every year. And last week, there were two satellites that almost collided in orbit. Like, that's how much junk is up there? There are millions of pieces of very small bits of space junk. Even a paint fleck moving at 17,000 miles per hour is going to do some damage if it runs into something. These big thinkers of our time have this vision that one day we'll have millions of people living and working in space, but that can't happen if we have too much junk up there. Miriam Kramer writes Axios' space newsletter. Let's continue today's show themes of elections and space, because obviously that begs the question, how do you vote if you're in space? 
There's legislation passed a number of years ago to allow astronauts to vote in space. And that's exactly what astronaut Kate Rubens plans to do this year. She's already done it once before, in 2016 on her first trip to the International Space Station. And she told the Associated Press she plans to do it again in a few weeks. We fill out a form and we vote via absentee ballot. And I plan on doing that uh, in November. Kate's vote is a lot more high-tech than yours or mine. She will get her secure ballot directly from Mission Control in Houston. Then she can cast her vote and downlink it back to Earth before it gets sent to the county clerk like any other ballot. And if we can do it from space, then I believe folks can do it from the ground, too. Our special series, Hard Truths, continues today with a live stream event. Voting experts join West Wing cast members Richard Schiff and Janelle Maloney. That's at 1230 Eastern at Axios.com or across any of our social media platforms. We hope you'll check it out. That does it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at Axios.com or reach out to me on Twitter at Nyla Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. <laughs>